Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. As we've traveled through 2 Corinthians the last couple of weeks, we've been learning about God's comfort. Well, today, as the Bible bus pulls up to chapter 7, we'll hear more about comfort. But this time, it gets personal as Paul responds to some issues within the Corinthian church. I'm Steve Schwetz, inviting you to open your copy of God's Word to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And while you do that, Greg and I want to share some behind-the-scenes things that are happening through the Bible, things that we invite you to pray about with us. Steve, we we bandy about our mission statement, and, and not bandy it in an, in an unserious way. We're quite serious about taking the whole Word to the whole world, and... 25 years ago, 30 years ago, there really was only one way for us to do that economically, and that was terrestrial, terrestrial radio. radio. That's right. And it's interesting you say terrestrial because there is such a thing as Internet radio, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And, and back in those days, we were just talking about this in the studio. It, it wasn't easy, but it was fairly straightforward. Yeah. No, I would say our mission back in those days was much easier. Yeah. <laughs> you translate a program, you get it onto a, a onto a, a station in, yeah. a, in a foreign place, and then you pay for the program to go and then hope that you get responses. That's right. Mission and accomplished. Exactly. And now we have so many different ways to distribute it digitally. Uh, we know the good news is that over 80% of the world has a smartphone in the palm of their hand, yeah. and the, particularly the younger people, it's glued yes. to that hand. That's the good news. The, the The less good news is the competition has become infinity. In other yeah. words, back in the old days, when you got on the radio, you had a piece of a limited broadcast spectrum. Yeah. So you probably were going to get response. Now, we just want the reason we're bringing all this up is we know many of you hearing our voices are committed to this mission to get the whole word to the whole world. We want you to know that the leadership of Through the Bible and that we don't often like to tout this, but you're the chairman of the mm-hmm. board. I'm the president, just in case you're wondering who are these two gentlemen. <laughs> uh, you might have another name for us, but yeah. uh, we we think through this issue. How do we reach people, get, get the whole word of God? How do we communicate with people and connect with people when they have these smartphones in their hands? Yeah, and the other thing that we're we're working on as well is getting uh, the small group movement that yeah, has come yeah, up that yeah. we really didn't see yeah. coming. That was one of our originally our partners, yeah. George Philip, that said, "Hey, I want to do this," and it has just, yeah, uh, in many ways, exploded in South Asia yes. and in other parts of the world as well. And it can be supported by these new yeah. digital technologies. So you might say, "Okay, guys, you, what are you talking about?" Well, of course, we have built what we call our flag app that has uh, the Bible and the teaching of through the Bible in over a hundred different languages. Mm-hmm. But we've also launched these uh, Bible apps. We call them contextualized Bible apps. And, and that may sound like a mouthful, but it's just saying, if I want a Bible in my language, let's say I speak Hindi, um, we have a, a, an app that has the Hindi Bible. And what's really cool is it has Dr. McGee's teaching in Hindi, yeah. a, a, and you can be reading the Bible and literally press and hold any verse, and it brings up the related teaching. Yeah, and that is so huge yeah. because in so many different parts of the world, of those 100 languages, there's not a whole lot of content. You know, it's not like you're in the U.S. where there's, I don't know how many channels there are, you know, Netflix, yeah. Hulu, all that, uh, Peacock, yeah. and it goes on forever. There's hundreds and hundreds of channels of content in English. Well, you go to a particular language, 
even even a big one like mm-hmm. Hindi or Malayalam, yep. and there's dramatically less content. That and so correct. if we can get something that's native to that language, people are going to find it and they're going to listen to it. Some of them just want to hear the language. They're not yes. necessarily believers yeah. or looking for gospel teaching or, or teaching on the Bible. And it, we found real opportunity in that specific language. And I want to go back to something you said earlier, which is in the old days when we just broadcast over a terrestrial radio tower, we just hope, our strategy was we hope that people are going to listen. The great thing about the digital technologies is we know exactly how much content is being listened to. We know how many chapters of the Bible are being accessed. And we also have the ability through the app to use these, what would you call push notifications, to communicate with people and say, hey, we see you're enjoying the the Gospel of John. Can you tell us your story? Yeah. So we're very excited from as as communicators of the gospel. We're excited w- that God has given us these tools. You know, Greg, as they say on TV back in the day. But wait, there's <laughs> oh, wait, more. There's more. That's the right. other thing that the digital gives us is when we were on terrestrial radio, you basically have a footprint that that radio program is being pro- broadcast. To. Yes, and yes. that's it. Oh, yeah. And when you're on the edge, you're maybe you yeah, know static. Yeah. Like if you go to my house, I have no radio coverage yeah. as I get closer to my house. Well. I think of the Lugandan yes, language yes. in Uganda. Yes. You know, we're suddenly able to see where people are geographically yep. listening to the program. And guess what? It's not just in Uganda. It's all over the place. It's in the U.S. It's in Saudi Arabia. It's, it's in, in place- Mi- Myanmar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Places that are very difficult to be a believer yeah. because the diaspora are everywhere. Yes. When uh, Whether they're Christians or not, people are getting the content in ways that they never could have over traditional terrestrial radio. Yeah, and just to underscore with a big red double underline, the Luganda language is probably spoken by about 20 million people. Now, Which is a small language. Yeah, very small. Uh, there are about 8 billion people on the planet right now. And, and this is a drop in the bucket. There are about 200 or so countries. We have Luganda app downloads in 56 different countries. Yeah. So just think about the, the, the proportions there. God is letting us truly get the whole word to the whole yeah. world. And you know, As we continue to scale this out, there's something we need from you more than anything else, and that's your prayers. So if you haven't yet joined our world prayer team, do that today. Go to ttb.org forward slash pray. You're going to get a daily email Monday through Friday that's going to give a testimony. It's going to talk about a specific area of the world, and you can pray effectively. And if you've been listening to this program, you know how people's lives are changed by the program, but also by praying for this ministry. So think about doing that today. It'll revolutionize the way you go through your inbox Monday through Friday. Right now, we don't have anything to help you on the weekends with email, (laughs) but Monday through Friday. You can just reread them. They'll keep encouraging. There you go. Greg, we're almost out of time. Why don't you pray for us as we begin our study? Father, thank you for placing it in the heart of Dr. McGee to give us the challenge to take the whole word to the whole world. And now, Lord, we just want to be faithful in that. And we thank you for the way you've opened doors and provided resources and people. And we're excited to see what you do as we get the whole word to the whole world in new ways. And we pray you'll bless all of those efforts in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's jump into 2 Corinthians 7 with Dr. J. Vernon McGee on Through the Bible. Today our study, friends, brings us to the seventh chapter of 2 Corinthians. Now, we want to see here the last chapter of the comfort of God. We are going to see how very personal this chapter is. Well, the last chapter was personal too, but I think this even more so. Now, let me begin reading here 
having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, we need to note that when Paul says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, what promises are in the mind of the apostle Paul? Well, obviously, it's the promises he's just been talking about here. And these promises that he's been talking about were back here. He says, and I'll read the last two verses of the sixth chapter again. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I'll be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, the promises are this. Paul is not saying here that you don't come out and be separate, that you'll lose your salvation. What he says here, that if you do not come out and lead a clean life, that God can't treat you as a father. And I gave the illustration last time that a father has a wayward son. And the father said to me, he said, I'd like to treat him like my son, but I can't. He's alienated from me, and he's in trouble and difficulty. He resents me, and I can't be a father to him. But he was the father of the boy, you see. But he couldn't act like a father. Now, that's what he's saying here. And God says to you, having these promises, that God wants to treat us as a father. And a great many of us do not know by experience what a wonderful father we have, because we don't give him a chance, really, to be a father to us, you see. He wants to be. Well, how are we to do it? Well, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Now, what does he mean here by cleansing ourselves? Cleansing ourselves, very frankly, is done in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's when you and I deal with these things in our lives. Now, he says here, from all filthiness. Now, all sin is filthiness, but he divides it here into the filthiness of the flesh and the filthiness of the spirit. Now, what's the difference between the sins of the flesh and the sins of the spirit? Well, now, here are the things that we're to separate ourselves from and the things, actually, that he's mentioned. And they're the sins, of course, that we commit in the body, in these bodies of ours. It has to do with unholy lusts unbridled appetites, drunkenness, gluttony, licentiousness, inordinate affection, lusting today after the wrong things. These are the sins of the flesh. These are the dirty things. And you and I are living in a world today that's giving a respectability to the sins of the flesh. Let me use this illustration. The matter of liquor today. And the Word of God still says, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunken also. Habakkuk 2.15, if you want to know where that is, and in Proverbs 23.31, he says, Look not upon the wine when it's red. And today, we say that alcohol is all right. These are sins of the flesh that we're talking about. And then look, today at our book stands, filled with the vilest pornographic literature that is imaginable that glorifies the human body. 
and sex. And we have today, as a result, all this permissiveness in sex. God's Word still condemns all of that, you see. Now, these are the sins of the flesh. And my friend, if you go and indulge in them, God can't treat you as a father. Now, you may be his son. I'm not going to argue that with you. But he can't treat you as a father treats his son. Now, he mentions here the filthiness of the spirit. Now, wait a minute. I may step on somebody's toes now. Oh, I'm not. The Word of God may. What are some of the sins of the spirit? How about gossip, friends? How about issuing a vicious slander against some Christian brother? You know, there are a great many people who won't take a gun and pull a trigger and shoot a man down, but they'll take a dagger of gossip and put it in his back when he's not listening. And some of the dear saints in the church engage in that. And then what about vanity today? Oh, my, I saw a woman that was going to speak to a Bible class. And I'd never seen anyone that was so intent on getting her looks or getting her face on, as it were. She put on, and don't misunderstand me, I'm not against makeup. A lady came to me that didn't have any on at all, and she says, Donna McGee, she said, do you believe it's sinful to use makeup? And I said, lady, it wouldn't be sinful if you used makeup. I can assure you that, because I think all of us Christians ought to look the best we can. Some of us don't have much to work with, but vanity, friends. Oh, what a sin that is. Pride. <laughs> These are the sins of the Spirit. Conceit, haughtiness, unbelief. Oh, these are the dirty sins of the Spirit today. And we got a lot of saints in the church. They wouldn't get drunk. They wouldn't smoke a cigarette either. But, oh, do they have, on the end of the tongue, they've got something that burns lots more than any cigarette burns, and that's gossip. Now, I know I'm stepping on toes. We probably ought to move away from that. He says, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, we are to, the writer of the Hebrews says, we're to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, Christ is my righteousness. He's my holiness. But friends, my life and his perfection are really far apart. God says, let's not have such a big generation gap. Let's not have such a big holiness gap. I want you to be holy. May I say to you, this is a tremendous statement. Now, I must move on. He says here, receive us. We've wronged no man. We've corrupted no man. We've defrauded no man. You know, when Paul came in, he didn't take an offering for a bunch of stray cats in the Aleutian Islands. I don't know whether anybody's running that or not, but I'm sure not going to get in that business we're not to take up offerings for things like that and then use them for something else. And then the deacon board in churches, when an individual gives money for a certain purpose, it's to be used for that. And friends, I know deacon boards that don't follow that. May I say to you, Paul could say, we've corrupted no man, we've defrauded no man. I wish that a great many today Christians could say the same thing. And then he says, I speak not this to condemn you, for I've said before that ye are in our hearts to die and to live with you. Oh, how Paul loved these. Now will you notice what he says here? He says, great is my boldness of speech unto you, 
Great is my glorying of you. I'm filled with comfort. I'm exceeding joyful in all our trouble. Now, this is quite lovely, and I think we need to have a little background here to understand this, because some of you may have tuned in a little late as we come to this. And we need to recognize that Paul, in his first epistle to the Corinthians, he wrote them a very sharp letter. We've seen that in 1 Corinthians. And I tell you, Paul called them babes in Christ. He called them carnal Christians. And there was gross immorality among them. And he said, that thing, you are to put that away. You are to deal with it. They had dealt with it. And then Titus met him, you will recall, over in Philippi and told him that the church had dealt with it and the man had repented. And then Paul wrote and told him, oh, you're to receive him now because don't go to the opposite extreme and keep him out of your fellowship. Oh, my friends, today we need to recognize that. Now Paul begins to brood over all of this. And Paul says, Maybe, after all, I shouldn't have written such a sharp letter to you. Maybe I shouldn't have written like that. Maybe I should have come to you directly. And he's turning that over in his mind. Because, you see, when he left Ephesus, he went to Troy, Troas, and he waited there. And Titus didn't come, and he's rebuking himself. And he went on up to Philippi, and that's when Titus came and brought him word at that time. Now, somebody's going to say to me, but I thought you believed in a verbal inspiration of the Scriptures and that Paul was writing by inspiration in 1 Corinthians. Yes, he did. That's the inspired Word of God. I believe that with all my heart. Well, then how could he rebuke himself? Because he was human. But God had him write like that. And God's having him write like this to let you and me know how human he really is and then how tender and how sweet and loving he was, and that you and I ought to be the same way. (laughs) Oh, what a lesson this is for us. And he says, now that he's received the letter, he says, I'm filled with comfort. I'm exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. You know, there may be somebody listening to me today, if you'd sit down and write a certain letter to an individual that maybe you had hurt years ago and tell them you were sorry and that you wanted to make things right. You know what you do for them? You'd make them exceedingly joyful. We need to do that. Verse 5, he's very personal now. I feel like we ought to turn our head now and not even read this because this is very personal. I'm not sure Paul thought at this point that we'd be reading this today. He says, for when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God, that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. You see, God used a man to comfort Paul. And you could help some dear saint of God. My friend, when was the last time that you went to your preacher, put your arm around him, that is, if you're a man, put your arm around him and say, Brother, I've been praying for you. I see you're working pretty hard. And I know you're standing for the things of God, and I just want you to know I'm standing with you. He'd appreciate that. That is, if he's that kind of a preacher. If he's not, then don't do it. But if he is. Now listen to him. God that comforted those that are cast down. He comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, 
but by the consolation or comfort wherewith he was comforted in you. You comforted Titus, and Titus comforted me. When he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoice the more. Somebody came to me the other day, and I was in a church service, and this party came to me and said, my brother who lives back east, and I call no names or give no places, he said, you know, he wrote me, we've been praying for him, and he said, you know, I've been listening to that fellow McGee from California. Hope you can meet him sometime and tell him that I have accepted Christ as my Savior. Now, why that brother didn't write me, I don't know, but he didn't. He wrote to his brother out here, and his brother told me. And I want to say that comforted me. Makes me know this radio program, friends, is something I ought to be doing. Listen to him. When he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoice the more. My friends, don't mind saying something nice to somebody. Your tongue won't fall out if you say something nice. Now he says, though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. You see, repentance and shedding of tears are not the same thing. They should go together, but they're not the same thing. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. Now listen to this verse. It's an important one. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Now, what is real repentance? Repentance is a change of mind. Now, God, as far as I can tell, the only repentance he asks of the lost is in the word believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens when you believe? Well, listen to Paul. Writing to the Thessalonians, he says, How ye turn to God from idols. That was a change of mind. Now, how did it work? They first turned to Christ. Paul came. He didn't come and preach against idolatry. He preached Christ. And when he preached Christ to them, they turned to Christ. But say they were idolaters. Now, when they turned to Christ in faith, what happened? Well, they turned from idols, and that turning from idols was repentance. Now, that's for the unsaved. I don't know whether God wants us to emphasize repentance to the unsaved. He wants us to emphasize Christ. But for believers, he says to them to repent. That is, if they go in the wrong direction. Now, a lot of people shed tears, but they don't mean it. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world. That's what works death, you see, sorrow of the world. My dad used to tell about a boat on the Mississippi River that when it was going upstream, this boat had a little bitty boiler and a great big whistle. And when they would blow the whistle going upstream, the boat would start drifting downstream because the boiler was so small it couldn't blow the whistle. The whistle was too big for the boat. Now, today, there are a lot of folk that have got a great big whistle and a little bitty boiler. They'll shed tears, but they don't repent, really. They just shed tears, and they keep going the same direction. And a lot of folk, they got a big whistle. They cry a lot, but doesn't mean anything. And the thief, he wept when they caught him, but he didn't weep because he was a thief. 
he wept because they caught him. Now listen, he says, For behold, this selfsame thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourself, yea, what indignation. And he goes on to commend them for the fact that they really turned to God. Now this was repentance for believers. There are a lot of believers today that need to repent. Now he says, verse 13, Therefore we were comforted in your comfort. Yea, and exceedingly the more joyed we for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you. For if I have boasted anything to him of you, I am not ashamed. And then let me drop down to the last verse of this chapter. Verse 16, I rejoice therefore that I have confidence in you in all things. Paul just opens up his heart here, doesn't he? He's very very personal. Here is God's comfort in the heart of Paul. What a lesson for us today. We'll leave right off there today, my beloved. Learn how you can repent and live a life that's pleasing to God by downloading some resources at ttb.org forward slash booklets. A couple of titles that you may want to specifically look at are Living the Christian Life God's Way and then How to Have Fellowship with God. Or you can just call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help you. I'm Steve Schwetz, and we'll see you next time as together we take God's whole word to the whole world. grateful for the faithful and generous support of Through the Bible's partners, whom God uses to take the whole word to the whole world.